We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. This call is hello, friends. Welcome to Mavs Moneyball After Dark. You're joined by Kirk Henderson and Ben Zadell. How you doing, Ben? Doing good. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're. I, I would like to have you on whenever you feel like coming on. You know, guys. I actually took like a three day break, and I was just complaining to Ben in the pre show that I don't like. I'm bad at breaks. So, but then I'm also just as bad at getting up on back on the horse. But you know, with about what do we have? a little over two weeks until the NBA draft. Like there's just a limited amount of stuff to talk about that doesn't involve like whirling yourself up into a fury. Like I somehow have managed to avoid the great Jalen Brunson wars of 2022. Uh, but it's like making me laugh seeing some of the different friends on, on social media timeline, just can't help but wandering in to talk about it. And you know, there's, there's just stuff, but I, I also am, am of the mind that before I look forward too too much, I still want to keep talking about elements of this really fun season. So you and I kind of got together uh, with the mindset of we're gonna and we're gonna do this probably with everyone once they're all done. Uh, we you know you kind of started grinding out our our player review uh, content almost immediately after the season, and now we've got I think seven guys to take a look at today. And when all fifteen are done, we'll probably have you back on, even if you don't write anymore just so we can talk about um, the rest of the roster. And so it's, it's funny, this group of guys is it's inadvertently going to be a bit of a bummer because we started off with the least impactful players first. Right. <laughs> we we kind of had to hit that back half of the roster, but I, you know, it's like we were saying pre-show. Um, I think there's stuff to talk about there. They're, they're in a sense, not interesting, but in a sense, the, the, you know, their impact on this team is interesting. So mm-hmm. I think that's a good, you know, good way to look at it. Who do you, who do well, you want to go first? Well, here's where we are. So the, the first person you wrote about was probably the guy that had the largest amount of variance in terms of opinion when he was signed last offseason. 
Uh, Sterling Brown was brought in on a two-year deal that was a $6 million contract. Basically, he gets paid $3 million a year. And Sterling Brown came in and played for the Mavericks, and he, you know, he played with the Rockets last, yeah, yeah, it was the Rockets last year, where he, yeah. he wasn't bad. He had a good season shooting the ball, yeah. Yeah, and then he came in and played with the Mavericks and proceeded to look like a guy playing in a rec league. I, yeah, I, I don't. I don't know what happened with that because if if anything, you think he'd be able to shoot a little bit, but maybe maybe last season was just a outlier season for him. I mean that you're showing a twelve percent variance from 2020, 2021 with Houston, where he shot forty two percent to thirty percent with the Mavericks, where he was getting really good looks. Yeah, it's crazy because you would think uh, if his if his three point percentage went down that much, there was you know like maybe an increase in volume, but his volume actually went down by half. He was shooting four about four three pointers a game for the Rockets at forty two percent, and then he comes to the Mavericks and is shooting two per game at thirty percent. So it wasn't an increase in volume. Um, I I don't know you know what exactly his deal is uh, well he never really looked in good shape like he kind of looked that's why i made the joke about a rec league because for as much grief as we gave luca he looked like luca without the ability to play like luca the man just it was constantly like he was just coming from thanksgiving dinner you know he did have a couple of like nice rebounding games oh yeah you wrote about it duh uh against the wolves where he had 11 boards and, and 12 points and it was just they never found any real role for him. And the, the frank, frank point of the matter was he had a real opportunity. They needed yeah. him. And just yeah, they never, took a, never happened. Yeah, they took a flyer on him. I think a little bit he's a victim of expectations uh, if, if you're disappointed in his output um, on, on a fan side. Uh, because he's not, you know, he, he was a flyer, you know, that's the reason they got him for $3 million. That's pretty cheap for a guy who was supposed to be a little bit of a three and D wing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he is a little bit of a victim of expectations, but yeah, it's like you said, there was a chance there because they were playing six guys in the playoffs. Um, and even in the the regular season, I mean, they were, they were playing a pretty short rotation in the regular season as well. And so I, I don't know exactly what i mean i guess if you're a supporter or maybe you know sterling brown himself would point to like a lack of consistency but early if you look early in the season he got the minutes that you would need as a role player he was i can't remember exactly but i I put it in the profile i can't remember exactly because it's been a few days but it was like 17 to 20 minutes he was averaging in the first 41 games of the season so you can't if you're him or a supporter you can't point to kid you know like hey kid held him back or something like that uh as we're going to see is 14 i have it here but 14 is more than a quarter like you want to soak up 12 to 15 minutes as an eighth to ninth man if you're effective and he had that chance and he just didn't really do it yeah and so you could tell i mean if you if you go look at his last 41 games of the season kid just he fell out of favor with kid it's it's obvious um maybe there's a chance next season if he's still on the team you know if he doesn't get moved in a trade uh, that he can win some of that back, like you said, by being in shape. I think I think that was a real, the you know, there was a bigger focus on defense this year. And if, if he wasn't playing high level of defense and he definitely wasn't shooting well, then yeah, he's not going to get minutes. So, I I could be wrong, 
on this, but I also believe that he missed enough time. I think he caught COVID a couple of times. I think he might've been one of the players that was on like the, the, I I could be misremembering this though, but you know, it's interesting because he came into the league with Milwaukee and when when kid was there. So he had some experience to fall back on with kid and he just didn't make the most of it. I mean, it is what it is. Like it's it's bites at the apple. I just distinctly remember people being very excited that the Mavericks got both him and um and our 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 guy. Uh, what's wrong with me? Our, our Reggie, Reggie, Reggie Bullock. And yeah. he and people were like, oh, well, he could be better than Reggie. And I was like, no. I, I I just there was some weird, but that happens every off season when people get excited. Well, about guys. I, I think there was a, a sense that he was replacing uh, Josh Richardson's minutes, and that was never the case. That was no. not. I, I don't know why people got that idea, but that was never the case. That he yeah, there's some there's some weird stuff last year. Okay, then the next guy we'll pivot to is a midseason replacement that came along during. Um, and just to be clear, we're not going to talk about guys that the Mavericks cut. And we're also not talking about players that the Mavericks moved. So no Porzingis, no Brown, um, and no uh, Willie Cauley-Stein. But Marquise Chris came along when the Mavericks were signing hardship exception players during December with uh, all the COVID problems. And he just, it was, it was fascinating. He looked like a, a breath of fresh air. When yeah. it was like the only interesting thing that happened during the month of December when riding and watching these Mavericks was hard. Yeah, he came in with a ton of energy. It was really, I mean, that first, like, I, I can't remember exactly, but sometime in December um, when he first showed up. And I mean, like you said, it was the first month and a half of the season that team played like they had, you know, like in a fog. And then Marquise Chris shows up along with some other of the replacement guys that we're not going to cover. But they just, you could tell they just had this energy of, Hey, I, I am playing for a spot here. Mm -hmm. And they, you could tell that they were trying a little bit harder than some of the uh, usual NBA player would in in the middle of December. That's got a guaranteed contract. So like you said, it was refreshing and, and he was one of them, but then it somehow just kind of fell off at a certain point. My, my theory my theory is that he was working through a knee injury the entire time and yeah. simply played through it. And once he secured a permanent contract, that was when he started vocalizing his discomfort a little bit more. And I have no proof of this whatsoever, but he went from being a guy that was in the rotation to being a guy who could not be relied on just as quickly yeah. as he signed his contract. That's a good theory. Uh, mine is he got is when he cut his hair that all his power was in his hair, and he got a haircut at some point and just completely monstered all his you know energy and ability. So, well, um, he, he was one of many. Well, I guess two. Him and Frank Nilakina, where it's like they were lottery guys that didn't work out. Now, him not working out in Golden State wasn't shocking. Golden State plays a very different style of basketball very lots of motion no like not really pick and roll heavy and guys don't fit there yeah and you know, he didn't wasn't very good with the suns it is what it is and but here's here's kind of my question so you wrote in the article that, that as a former lottery pick chris was a risk worth taking and though it didn't work out this season it's a strategy worth pursuing taking a flyer on talented players who failed at previous stops is always a good call now i appreciate a positive spin on this sort of thing i do <laughs> But here's my question. How do the Mavericks give this guy a two-year deal? He's that, on the roster right. Year. Yeah, that is the 
what a weird roster management thing that I would like to, uh, we usually would blame something like this on Donnie Nelson, but he was not there for that contract. I mean, who so, was giving uh, him a second two-year deal? Like right. who, where, where was the other offer when you're, it's mid season. That's the remarkable thing, because like I said, this is a good strategy that a lot of successful teams have used is, hey, this former lottery pick is pretty much out of the league. Let's bring him in here and see if, you know, the, our environment will get him into a, a you know, a useful player. Um, and so I like that strategy. I, I do not understand it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I don't understand the second year of the contract because it number one, who was, you know, who were they competing with to, to yeah. get Chris? And number two. Even if you are somehow competing with someone, there's a uh, there's a definitely a player of similar value available somewhere. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't understand that. But yeah, like I said, I, I I love the strategy, and that seems to be a little bit new. I don't know if that's a, a Nico Harrison and uh, Michael Finley kind of having more say now thing, or if the Mavs because in the past they kind of went the opposite direction and would bring in um, guys who were like a year away from being out of the league on the end of their career, like, uh, the corpse of Darren Williams, uh, Charlie Villam, the uh, just guys who were, you know, yeah. barely hanging on in the league. Um, I don't know if that's because of where they were with Dirk and they wanted more experienced guys to try and win playoff games. And, but I mean, we're, they're in that same situation now they're trying to win playoff games. So, um, I like I like the strategy of using a couple of these into the bench spots. Um, you know, we're going to talk about it here, like Frank Milikina. Just hey, this lottery guy has washed out at a, a franchise that has had a little bit of trouble. Uh, let's bring him in here and see if it was the situation, or maybe over the last couple of years he's matured, and it, it's a good risk. But again, you got to be smart with the contracts. I mean, I just, I, I just don't really understand it because he was quite literally sitting at home during a season in which players were dropping like flies and then you give him a two-year deal. So, I mean, it is what it is. We're going to have to look ahead and see, like, at this point, dead money is dead money. The Mavericks are so far over the cap. It's not our money. I just don't know what Cuban's appetite is for cutting players, and that, like, just frustrates me from a roster management standpoint. But, yeah. oh, well. Then the next guy we want to talk about is a very similar vein, only he was signed by Nani Nelson to a three-year deal with a team option on the third year following an outstanding performance in the Orlando bubble, which feels like a thousand years ago. I'm talking, of course, about Trey Burke. Uh, the like loudly, eh, loudly is not fair. He was, let's just say he wasn't shy about his opinions related to how, you know, vaccine stuff. And wouldn't you know it, he caught COVID repeatedly throughout the year, barely played and was not worth the roster spot. What do you think, buddy? Yeah, I Trey Burke, everything about him is baffling to me from the contract that for some reason, again, uh, why a three-year contract when nobody wanted him based on eight games in a weird situation is, is just crazy. Um, and, and you've already had a look at him, too. That's, that's the interesting thing to me is he was here. Uh, he came along with Christos Porzingis. Uh, and Tim Hardaway in that trade uh, that they did with the Knicks. And they had him for 25 games. Uh, they had a good look at him. They chose not to re-sign him in that situation. Mm-hmm. And then he plays eight games and gets a three-year contract. And when, again, like we talked about with Chris, nobody was competing to sign them. If they really wanted to sign him and they, hey, maybe we saw something in the bubble, you could have the exact same contract that they have with Frank Milikina, you know, a one-in-one where the second year is a team option. Uh, it's it, I, I just – Unless, unless this is one of those favor to an agent contracts where they're just trying to stay in good. I'm not sure who Trey Burke's agent is, but I just, I'm, I have no idea. I have no idea why people are so into Trey Burke 
Uh, we have they really Tiberi. are that that they horrendous have, yeah. ball don't stop account like calls him a real hooper like man yeah. shot thirty nine percent from the floor he's real bad at hooping and, and it's and it's you know I got into it with Twitter with one guy and I was basically like man like six coaches have given up on this guy mm-hmm. and he's like well you know are they good coaches though it's like well they're in the nba they're good coaches like everybody likes to sit here and argue about coaches and stuff like that but you can't blame this on jason kidd not playing them playing him because rick carlisle didn't play him and before that uh brett brown and philadelphia didn't play play him say what you want about brett brown maybe he's not a championship winning coach but he's a good coach you know he got philadelphia into some really good playoff spots he's, he knows what he's doing and he knew not to play trey burke so i that's three coaches people will want you know we got a lot of um positive response to jason kidd as a coach this year but if you talk about trey burke not playing then all of a sudden he's not a good coach so it's good you can't have it both ways uh, either Jason Kidd knows what he's doing and he didn't want to play Trey Burke when he was desperate for players, which the Mavericks were all year. All year. They desperately needed somebody all year and in the playoffs. And even in the, even in, uh, uh, against the Jazz when they were short Luka, so they're down a point guard. They really need someone else who can actually play point guard, play guard and dribble the ball and make plays. He still didn't play. He played four minutes in the game two blowout. And that was it. He didn't play in game one and three at all. And so – down a point guard, Jason Kidd still looked at the end of the bench. It was like, no, I can't play this guy in a playoff game. So that, I mean, to me, that's all, that's all I need to know. Oh man. It's just, it's something else. Well, on to some more positive. Now we're kind of through the three people I wanted to cover the least. And now we're on to people that I think are a little more interesting. So uh, Frank Milikina joined the Mavericks as kind of a 16th guy. Uh, if I'm remembering training camp correctly, where he had a chance to to uh, secure a roster spot and was signed to kind of what you'd mentioned before, one-on-one deal, team option. Um, and he had, he had, like, his was like what you talked, like an ideal circumstance. So, you know, Frank Milikino was taken one pick um, after the Mavericks by the New York Knicks. Uh, as long sought, like a long time ago, the Mavericks were going to take Frank Milikino. Ended up being a hell of a smokescreen where they selected Dennis Smith Jr. Huzzah! Um, and you know he didn't work out there. He had three, I think, three different coaches. They never invested in him, and the young man just never got much of a shot. At least according to Knicks fans. With the Mavericks, he had his ups and downs. He showed where I, I think the, the thing moving forward is that if Frank Milikina is going to play in the National Basketball Association, his guard, his position is not as a, a guard. It is a it is a, as a defensive 3 and D wing. What do you think? Yeah, he, he really can't. There, there's just not the smoothness to his game coming off like pick and rolls or, you know, just dribbling into the paint. Yeah. He really does play like a small, small forward. Um, I think there's a chance for him. I, I mean, obviously the defense is there. And so uh, I think unless something weird happens and they just need to include his contract uh, in a trade, Dallas brings him back next year, because again, there's this renewed focus on defense and that's, that's his one NBA high level skill. Uh, if he's really going to stick and get some playing time, he's got to hit some three-pointers, especially from the corners. He does not lack confidence. Yeah, he'll shoot it. My he, man shot the ball the way I wanted to see Josh Green shoot the ball. Didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> he, he, he's close. I don't have Maxie and uh, Dorian's numbers in front of me, but, I mean, he's he's nipping on their heels as far as three-point attempts per game, and that's saying something because he shot 34%. Yeah. So, um 
it's it's uh I don't, I don't know he's a weird player i really like him i i don't know there's one of these things where been noodling on a post for like three days in yeah our, in our I, system. I, <laughs> I just can't like it's one of those like i can't shake him like i if you ask me like hey like what do you see in him i'd be like well the defense and you'd be like, say what else and i would have no answer uh and and you know, it, it's just one of those guys where I think at some point he's going to be a impactful player for some team. Um, I, I, I'm searching for like a comp to him, you know, from the past, but I really can't. I really can't. I mean, the, the, like, like maybe like late stage Sean Livingston, but that's not even right because Livingston still ran the offense and was good. But it's yeah. just like he's such a unique body type that you can't it's, it's different where. There's one guy I talk with regularly on Twitter who's just like, you know, the Mavericks should move on from him and really, you know, invest a lot more in Josh Green. I'm just like, why? Mm. Their ages aren't that different. And right. one player has shown some some NBA sticking skills and the other is still 21. So, I mean, that's yeah. a, Green's a different discussion, but it's like Frank, Frank for how much money he costs is probably worth keeping around. Yeah, like I said, he, he's again one of those uh, former lottery picks that again maybe you in the right environment. And we have to also remember that these guys, a lot of these guys, how many uh, full off seasons have they have? This is going to be his first one in what three years? Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So they haven't had a normal year in quite some time, and so maybe you know he locks himself in the gym this summer and comes out with a three point. I mean, he's at thirty four percent. If he gets to 36 with with really good defense, maybe that's something, you know. I mean, we're talking uh, about like like we're talking about the the he just doesn't shoot enough volume. It's just if they're gonna play him, he needs to have a regular slot. And one thing that that did happen to Frank is he got pulled in and out. He yeah. played 58 games and then he didn't I, I I I'm not looking at his game log, but he went significant stretches where he didn't see the floor at all. Yeah, it's so it's so hard sometimes to evaluate players, especially defensively, because we don't know what they're supposed to do Correct. in certain situations. And so he could have been messing up and we just don't know it defensively. We think it's looking like pretty good defense, but he's not doing what the defense, the staff wants him to do. And, and so he's getting pulled like that. So maybe, again, he comes back next year with a little bit more confidence, a little bit more time in that system under his belt and get a little bit more consistent playing time. And maybe the, the shot consistency comes with that. Yeah. Yep. Well, so that's enough Frank talk. Let's move on to um, every casual's favorite Dallas Mavericks player, Boban Marjanovic. What do you got to say about Boban? Because I don't really got much other than people <laughs> love him and I get why, but. Meh. Yeah, I, I get a, a little bit of hate because I'm just not as big on Boban as everybody. Uh, every time I mention, I, I kind of go meh about Boban, people yell at me. Uh, but I will say, I mean, he does seem, he does seem to help with the chemistry of the team. And I think that was a big deal this year. Um, especially after, you know, kind of what we found about how maybe everybody was miserable last season. And then seems like Porzingis was not helping with the chemistry. Even it, Porzingis is a really, not to derail everything, but it's a really weird situation where he didn't seem to do anything really wrong or egregious, but he seemed to just upset the, the balance of the team just by simply needing his touches and need, needing to be catered to as more than a role player, which is what he was by the time, you know, he was traded. Um, so maybe Boban helped smooth that out. And then especially after Porzingis was traded, kind of helped smooth that along. Um, but yeah, he's, he's really, 
I mean, he's going to be 34 next year. I think that's that's old for any, any oh, guys NBA that player. are the, the data of guys that are over seven one and how much they play is kind of horrifying. So, like the fact that Boban's not been hurt is, yeah. is pretty remarkable. Um, so it's it's I don't know. This is this is one of these things where I'm pleased with the role. He seemed to make Luca happy. One yeah. of the one of the things we got to be honest about though is the Mavericks don't have the roster spots to have like three vibes guys. Yeah. You know, you, you can't have Theo Penson who um who you know didn't play. He, he wasn't he's a he's a G League guy. Like I don't know if Theo Penson can play. Like I'm just being a perfectly honest, he didn't play enough. And yeah. and Boban is is out is is on the floor, makes like I, I think there's real value in this. I mean, we saw it whenever JJ Barea basically retired, like what sort of happened to the Mavericks last year, but I think that that hindsight will eventually tell us that it was more like the Luca Brunt, uh, not Brunson, the Luca uh, Porzingis just connection didn't work. But like, I just, I'm not sure. I'm just not sure if, if Boban, <sighs> I hate to kid. It's, it's not the guy's fault. I, they just, they just can't have a spot for Boban. I, you know, I, if, if they had three capable big men that were, you know, you know, able to play like a big man and not kind of masquerading like uh, Maxi Cleaver and Dwight Powell have to sometimes. Um, then yeah, you can maybe see it. But yeah, with the the desperation at that big man spot that they need, and and he's just kind of there to be the vibes guy. I don't know. It might be time to carve out like an assistant coach position for him or something. Yeah. Well, we'll see what they do with with Boban. So then, then the last two people are people you didn't write. And granted, you wrote the Jalen Brunson one, but I want to hold off on Brunson until another show to kind of go um, deeper with with the starters. And and all I, if if you don't mind, I would like to have you back on for that show. But we're yep. going to polish off with a couple more guys. First, I wrote about Tim Hardaway's season, and Tim Hardaway is sort of a dividing line point for me in terms of how, and when I discuss basketball with people and I'm about to say something really rude, I can tell how much you pay attention to the Maverick season based off of whether you think Tim Hardaway was having a good season before he got hurt. Yeah, he was, he was struggling. Um, And it's, it's interesting. Why? I mean, that's a lot of speculation. Is it a new role uh, outside of Rick Carlisle's offense? Um, is it um, like, I don't want to question when, when you talk about these contracts, I'm not questioning these guys. They work hard. Um, they're out there, uh, out there doing their all, but there's just a level of desperation when you're playing for a contract. I mean, uh, if your boss told you tomorrow that if you worked extra hard for the next like six months, you would get a, you know, thousand percent pay raise, you'd probably work pretty, like harder than you usually do once you get that pay raise. I mean, that's just human nature. So yeah, is it, you know, that he, he got himself his one, probably his last big contract in his career. Um, and he kind of took the foot off his gas, subcon- foot off the gas subconsciously. Maybe it's that, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a combo of both or, you know, he did. Um, well, no, I think the, the foot uh, injury was kind of a freak accident. I was about to say maybe just, he was already wearing down a little bit because of all the the heavy basketball that we've had the last two years. Um, but yeah, he, he was definitely struggling. Um, he's a, he's a really weird player for me personally, because when he came with the Porzingis trade, I was full on just like, eh, this guy's a contract, you know, eventually, you know, we just, he was, we had to eat his contract to get Porzingis. It's worth it. We'll trade him at some point when he's expiring. And then by the time it came for him to his expiring contract, I was like, man, this, this guy's pretty valuable. I kind of like him. I think I wrote something about it on the site where, you know, he, he 
became more than an expiring contract to me. I actually enjoy this game, but then this year it kind of looked like uh, what we were seeing in in New York uh, at the end there. So yeah, and I I think that he is a extremely skilled basketball player that thrives in a narrow role. He shot five or six and a half. I did. I wrote this. What's wrong with me? He shot shot significantly worse from three, five and a half percent drop on similar volume per game. And he played half the season. This is a five and a half percent drop. Doesn't just happen. Um, He was allowed to do more. I think he can do more. His, he had like the highest assist rate, but there's also just something to knowing your job is to go out there and shoot. Yeah. And you know, one of the things that that we'll probably have to revisit when when we get to the Bullock review, maybe in, in a week or two, I don't know, it depends on how long these things take for everyone to write, is Bullock's season didn't really come into focus until after Hardaway went down, um, where he played more minutes and was getting regular looks that Tim was getting, quite honestly. Because uh, Tim shoots like seven and a half threes a game. And he just couldn't hit them. And I'm not... You know, he took a, a discount relative to staying with the Mavs. The Sun, not Suns, the Pelicans offered him basically a four-year, $88 million deal. And he signed um, a, a pretty reasonable to me, like four-year, $75 million contract with the Mavericks. Um, and it, it was one of those that various people looking at the Mavericks cap this year saying, this is not a good contract. The Mavs are going to be over the cap, yada, yada, yada. I get all of it. But I really liked watching Tim Hardaway. They weren't going to necessarily replace him, though I think as we saw this season, they did have the horses to play like a seven-man rotation. I think he would have been valuable to a degree in the playoffs, like him playing 15 minutes a game instead of someone else. But I also don't know what you do with Tim Hardaway moving forward because he was an atrocious defensive player you know, before he got hurt, like he's just not good at defense. And I'm, I'm not, the Mavericks have all these guards. They don't have wings. And so it, it feels like to an extent that there's an argument to be made that, that Hardaway is the odd man out. And I'm not sure if he's even movable. Like I don't think he's a toxic asset the way we talk about players, but I also don't see, you know, the $14, $15 million guy that you're trading him for straight up on the market where each guy could use a new place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I think one of my theories is for, for better or worse, you can, you can applaud kid for him or criticize applaud kid for this or criticize him for it. Uh, that he came into the season wanting guys to do more than they, that, that limited role that you talked about that they had under Carlisle, you know, Carlisle micromanaged the, the roster pretty heavily and some guys that works for some guys that, you know, they can be better uh, in a more free role. Um, I think early in the season, you saw guys like Bullock and Finney Smith and Hardaway uh, doing a lot more dribbling and, you know, trying to make plays off the dribble than they have in the past. And part of me just thinks that they, they, that, you know, when when you're playing basketball and you're thinking you're just going to be slow, everything just doesn't work. And I think they weren't just playing. I think they were thinking because they were, you know, given all this new freedom and and not just told, hey, you can do this, but encouraged to do, you know, take these take guys off the dribble when it's really not their game. Yep. And I think as the season progressed, they kind of got away from that. And it was like, yeah, hey, if you feel like you can get in there, go ahead. But we're not 
demanding that we're not forcing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe, you know, if he stayed healthy, his shot would have came along too. Because again, you saw that with Finney Smith and Bullock Bullock and uh, Maxie. Well, I think Maxie played all right at the beginning of the season, but they were um, asked kind of to do stuff outside of what they've always done. And again, when you're not reacting, playing basketball and you're thinking about what you're going to do, just everything, it, it throws off everything. Then you start thinking about your shot and thinking about the mechanics of your shot and, and maybe that affected him. So um, that, that would be my guess. And it, it's one of those, if they can move him for a, a player that can help them this offseason, great. If he's back next year, that's fine too. Because I'm like you, I just, I don't, unless there's some team out there that just loves Tim Hardaway Jr., they've got some you know, proprietary analytics that says he's can help their team get to a next level. Um, I doubt he's going anywhere for something that you can say, Hey, we upgraded over Tim Hardaway Jr. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll see. I like Timmy. So this one's kind of hard for me. Um, He was a player that really won me over and I enjoyed watching him the last several years. All right. It's fun to watch. Yeah, the last guy we're going to talk about, oddly enough, once he was traded to the Mavericks, sort of took over that Tim Hardaway role of um, man who shoots ball. Uh, and Davis Bertans, uh, on one podcast I listened to, uh, uh, joyfully refers to him as Dave Burt. <laughs> and, you know, Davis Bertans got traded to the Mavericks as part of basically a toxic asset swap between the Wizards um he's he was on year two of an 80 million contract and he has three years remaining and the Latvian laser did some weird stuff and i cannot express how entertaining it was to watch davis bertans play basketball this season yeah he's one of those guys that you know from around the league but watching him every day was an interesting experience um he it's it's He's a weird shooter, if that makes sense, where where sometimes you the ball goes up and you're like, there's no way that's missing, and he hits everything. And then sometimes when he shoots it, it's just, you know, you're you can tell when he's like raising up, you're like, ugh, like this is, you know, it's not it's not gonna be his night. He's about to go 0 for seven in like 12 minutes. So I, you know, he's weird. And on defense, he's interesting. Um because they can't play. It's really weird that he's got a center. He's he he might have been like the second tallest guy on the team. Is he like six ten? I think. Um, <laughs> he's tall, but they can't play him at center because he can't protect the rim at all. He's such an odd player to watch. But it's it you know he if, plays if so stinking hard. And, and, and our yeah, like, and our colleague it, Matt Phillips argued repeatedly in our Slack that he might be the fastest end-to-end Maverick. I don't think that's true, but in terms of like willingness to try in game, I think it, I think there's something to that. Yeah, if if the Mavericks weren't, I mean, you can argue about whether they're a championship contender or not, but they got to the Western Conference Finals. If they were just like a, a lottery team or you know a bubble team. Uh, not a bubble team, what's it called? Play-in team. Um, if they were like that, he'd be a super entertaining player, but sometimes you're just like, this is interesting, but we just need a little bit more. But he, him, he, he uses his height, but he can't play as a center. He's just so weird. I have, I have, I struggle to talk about him because I watch guys, you know, he gets switched out onto guys on the perimeter and they just blow right past them, but he kind of trails behind them and uses his height to bother them. But then also it doesn't bother them at all. It's just so weird, man. He's a weird dude. And I like it. <laughs> he's, he's interesting. So 
good shooter. I mean, like I'm always around for the shooter. I think he's a he's a guy that can move. Uh, the Mavericks can move a little bit easier than some of the guys because it's even with this contract. Um, I can see some desperate, like I don't know, semi contender that thinks that they if they just had some more shooting around player X, you know, superstar X, then they could maybe you know take a step. Maybe you could offload him for for not much but uh if i don't know i think i think you have to send something out with them and and as we've talked about repeatedly the mavericks don't have much like even if you were to take send him to a bad team to where he could like get shots and like help like a developing guard i i don't see because it's it's just it's a lot of money i mean yeah the, the 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 range of contracts tends to be guys that make like five million and under and then guys that make like 15 million or more and in between that, it's just it's hard to do stuff. I mean, but at the same time, I, you know, if if the Mavericks add some depth and he is still able to play ten to fifteen minutes, fifty games a season, to where they just need to get like through. Because my my deal with a guy like Bertans has always been, if he hits his first shot, keep him in. If he misses his first two, take him out. You know, right. like like a real baseline of rules where it's just like, all right, he has it tonight or he doesn't. I think the key is finding something for him on defense. Like where can you put him on defense that he can actually be a help rather than getting attacked? Um, and I don't, I don't, I struggle to understand what that role would be. Uh, I'm not sure because again, he, he just doesn't have the instincts to like play free safety, you know, and like stash him on a bad shooter and then he can help protect the rim. Um, but he also can't, you know, he can't really bang in the post and he really can't, guard on the perimeter so if they could figure out some way to use him on defense but i mean i, I hate always comparing something to the 2011 mavericks but um he it reminds me that it's possible there's a series you know sometime in the playoffs where he he can shoot because you know um everyone remembers Peja soyakovich having like this big outsized role on that 2011 mavericks team but really it was just against the lakers um, right. It was just a bad matchup for the, for the Lakers having him out there, and so maybe there's a there's a chance that there's some series in the future where that happens with Davis Bertans. Well, I'm looking, and there was one of these games. Just just to confirm, we got like five minutes for my podcast thing goes away. Oh yeah, the Dave Burt game, the Dave Burt game was the game three against Utah. He went four of seven from three, gave him 15 points. Yeah, like he they needed that win as they were trying to hold on with Luca out. Um, yeah. and you know, you don't get Dave Burt's 15 points in a game that the Mavericks won by eight, you lose that game. And yeah. so it's, it's that sort of thing that you're talking about where you give a guy a chance and if he comes away with it, he comes away with it. I mean, he didn't have, um, just to kind of, just to confirm with his, his playoff stuff. He, he, he was mostly stinky, but that's okay. You know, he had the, he had the big game against, uh, then he, oh yeah, the big one, the, the first, um, Game four against the Suns was another one where they tied the season uh, or it's game five. No game four against the Suns. He scored 12 points. That was another big one. But you know, those, those games, it's like, you're right. You don't need a guy. You need guys that, that do things in small bursts and, and that sort of stuff is, is key for, for teams to outperform in the playoffs. Yeah. And, and I think what's key is he's not a guy. I think, like you said, if, if, he shoots, you know, misses his first three shots. And you pull him and just say, "Hey, Bertans, you know, it's it's not tonight, man." I don't think he gets mad. I don't. I think he's like, "Yeah, that's fair." Uh, yep. You know, we just don't have it tonight. So. Yep. Well, this has been exactly what I'd hoped for. Um, if you are still in the podcast and listen this long, be sure to check the show notes where I have have hyperlinks for all seven of these guys. Go give these guys a read. 
please um, consider if you feel like arguing with me and Ben, there's a high likelihood we will respond because we both can't help ourselves. Um, yeah, I this podcast is probably going up uh, either Wednesday morning. No, what day is today? Today's Tuesday. It's Tuesday night. Yeah. Um, it's either going up like Thursday morning or Wednesday night. I'm not sure because uh, I'm about to host a green room with our guy Scott, which will already have been in your feed where we're talking CBA stuff. But yeah, Ben, thanks so much. Is there anything uh, else you want to talk about before we get out of here? No, I'm good. Uh, as soon as whenever that Frank piece comes up, give it a read. I, I, I like Frank Milikina. He, he's my guy that I'm rallying behind. Who do you got for the finals since it's tied one-one right now? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Boston. Yeah, hesitantly, Boston. I just think the size helps them. I'm I'm very pro Warriors. I I I hate you know going with the team that just beat our squad, but I don't think I can handle the internet if Jason Tatum wins the title. <laughs> just for me, um, I really like big basketball teams, man. Like if you they are big give teams. me like a, a team full of like big dudes who are also perimeter oriented, I'm always gonna you know oh, for sure to that yeah for sure they're yeah they're they're huge too all right guys kirk henderson ben zadell we are on mavsmoneyball.com be sure to you know subscribe rate tell your friends uh and you know join spotify live and hang out with us and then always visit mavsmoneyball.com thanks so much and everyone have a good week